Yes, hello everybody. Welcome to one of our special Talk and Golf State of the Game joint broadcasts. I'm Rod Murray, and today's show is special not just because it's a joint broadcast, but also because we only get to do it once every two years. Yes, I'm talking about the Ryder Cup preview show. It has been two years since we were subjected to some of the most fascinating and exciting golf in memory at Celtic Manor. Monty's men triumphant there, of course, but it's a determined US side that will meet the Europeans this week. We'll chat about that and what we might expect from this year's event during today's show, but also we'll quickly look back at the still troubled, though somewhat less than it used to be, FedEx Cup, or as my first guest likes to call it, the Reset Cup. Jeff Shackelford, it's no surprise they have your photo on a dartboard at PGA Tour headquarters, is it? Reset <laughs> Cup, that's just nasty. <laughs> oh, I don't know if they hate me that much, but um, um, <laughs> I, I do think it's... Oh, what what are you blabbering blabbering about already? <laughs> you can hear in the background there from the very hub of the action this week. He's on the ground at Medina, no doubt already assuming the behind enemy lines defensive posture from Scotland on Sunday, Golf Australia magazine, a bunch of other publications. But most importantly, this week from Europe is John Huggin. How are you, Huggy? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be with you. Yeah, nice to be with you. Just before we go any further, there is a bit of partisanship amongst the scribes, isn't there? The Ryder Cup can get a bit ugly between the uh, the, golf, the golf riders from either side of the pond. Well, that's that's become a bit overrated. I think it's 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 been in my experience, it's been one or two individuals more than the the whole group of if, you know. T- if you take the British press as an example, the British press seem to be um, a wee bit misunderstood. When they, when you as far as the Americans are concerned, I mean there, there seems to be a lot of misconceptions as to just what kind of agenda these people have got, and um, the, it's, it's hard to come up with one agenda for for all of them. They've all got different uh, ways of looking at things. The broadsheet papers are far different from the tabloids, for example. But it's the tabloids that tend to get all the attention, and they become the British press for better or worse. Mm. Uh, hard to believe, Shackle. I think we just heard a defence of the British press. Did you ever think you'd hear that? Oh, I think it's touching, but um, I, and I understand what he's saying. But uh, I, I read the Guardian, I read the Telegraph, the Independent. They, they, uh, they like to stir it up a little bit at come Ryder Cup time. I mean, look, they have Monty writing a column uh, for the uh, was it the Telegraph, and uh, he's trying to even he's trying to uh, create some interest. I. I I didn't blog about the one today regarding the uh, oh something about Rory should be kept away from Tiger or something. Yeah. I don't even know what he was going on about, but <laughs> Mike Stewart, but he yeah. he was trying to stir it up. Well, yeah. I tell you, something like that is is much needed. I'm, I've just finished writing a column for tomorrow's Golf World magazine website, which I'm probably giving away a little bit here. But it, my goodness, it's been tedious today. My, it's just been mm. so boring listening to all these people. Using words like respect <laughs> and civilized. Oh, give me! Oh, that's not fun. Well, please. At least the, the 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 thing that they're the point they're missing, of course, is that in years gone by, the Ryder Cup's gone from being a glorified garden party to suddenly, twenty five years on from that, it's the most exciting event in golf to watch and presumably to play in. But to make it that, it needed an edge. And today, mm. if you take today as an example, all they've done is try and get rid of that edge. I mean, they're, they're killing the golden goose, if you like. I mean, I just don't get it. I mean, they, they don't have to cross the line and go into, you know, stampeding across greens and all the other stuff that went on, at, you know, when the cup's gone by. But you definitely need a wee bit of tweaking, a wee bit of good-natured banter, a wee bit of something, instead of all this, oh, we, we love you, we think you're great, we, you're wonderful, <laughs> 
gentleman of the game. I mean, for goodness sake, shut up. <laughs> Fabulous stuff. Just get back to some banter here. Isn't the danger, though, Huggy, or actually I'll come to you on this, Jack, isn't the danger, it's finding that balance, isn't it? And it seems from outside, particularly with American crowds, it doesn't take too much for them to cross the line. I mean... You know, the war by the shore wasn't pleasant. Brookline wasn't pleasant. We don't tend to see that sort of thing generally in Europe. You've got to be a little bit careful, don't you, not to overhype it. Yes, I mean, in that respect, you're right. I mean, I think the the danger is we're in Chicago, kind of similar to Boston in terms of the sporting partisanship. In the last time, you know, in 99, we all know what happened in 99. It was some fairly disgusting scenes went on there, and we don't want any of that. But we do want a wee bit of... um, you know, let's go get them, boys. I mean, instead of this, you know, mm. they're almost, I mean, you get the feeling that they're going to be cuddling on the tee on Friday morning instead of shaking hands. I mean, it's it's just too much. I mean, they've gone, they've overreacted, as you say, because the danger is that things can get out of control. Exactly. But they've gone far too far the other way, and we need to move things back a little bit more. Well, take it easy. Luke Donald's got to live there. Shaq, what did you, what's your take on sort of trying to keep the, the crowds calm? Azinger didn't at Valhalla in 08. I mean, that looked like it could have gone off. The, had they not won that one, that could have, could have got ugly, could it not? Yeah, and I think uh, as Huggy was talking, I, I, I was thinking, it's only Tuesday. Yeah, it's probably a wise decision <laughs> to keep the crowds from not getting too revved up. Uh, of course, I, I mean, I was stunned turning it on. Golf Channel was on for six hours today, and uh, the grandstands were full. And I guess Martin Keimer complained that he thought the, the crowds weren't that great. I mean, it's a Tuesday for, for you know, it, it, these are people who are going to be very passionate about this. Uh, they'll all be wearing red on Sunday because of this PGA uh, initiative. And I think it's probably best that things get tempered. I'm sure there's no doubt something will happen uh, Thursday or Friday, and it'll it'll start to rev up. I, I, I it's the Ryder Cup. I'm I'm sure that'll be the it'll happen. Indeed. Just give it time. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. You let it let it uh, brew itself. Although, Huggy, I, perhaps you missed it, but there was a lovely piece in one of the uh, on one of the English websites. Steve Stricker singling out Ian Poulter as the man he most hates to lose to. That's the stuff I love because that yeah, sets up. We, a, get more, we need more. Of this. That's right. It more sets of, up a bit, does he? Like you don't like to lose to anyone, but each other. yeah, Poulter. Yeah, imagine especially. it's like Australia, New Zealand, or Scotland, England. We need some, you know, not hatred, but we need some bile. We need some, That's right. you know, got to be conflict, Huggy. As I say, get stuck in for That's goodness' right. sake. Golf, not quite as a contact sport, but taking on some of the elements. Well, cut, let's let's just leave the Ryder Cup for just a minute. It's going to be very easy to get carried out. I want to talk before we do that, Shaq, about the FedEx Cup, the Reset Cup, as you call it, more or less appealing this year than previous years. Oh, it's this was its most appealing year uh, without question in terms of the people who were involved and uh, the, the tournaments, that, uh, the way they, they were played and how close they were. Uh, but that said, this is as good as it, it gets. And uh, I didn't really find it that compelling. Each individual event was uh, interesting and, and had great leaderboards. And um, but you look at the television ratings here; they're they're uh, they're not very good when you consider the quality of the uh, the courses and the players uh, and the sponsors and the marketing. Uh, in fact, they're really pitiful. But that that's a product of the time of year it's played. This is just the worst possible time. And I get a big chuckle out of everybody uh, saying how brilliant Tim Fincham was to bring these people together at the busiest sporting time of year <laughs> in the United States yeah. when you have NFL, college football, U.S. Open tennis, baseball, pennant drives, uh, all these things going on. It is not brilliant to no. bring the best players in the world together 
at this time of year. In fact, it's 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 stupid. And so you combine that with the uh, the scoring system, and I just find the whole thing to be uh, a missed opportunity. I love the idea uh, behind it, but there is not a playoff component because the entire thing is structured around trying to get Tiger Woods yeah. all the way through to the end. That ultimately has been the problem all along, and it continues to be. Um, and until they actually introduce an element of danger, it's just never going to be interesting. And when I say element of danger, I mean some form of elimination along the way, potentially, for somebody for simply not playing well without some uh, points crux uh, to, to fall back on. And, and, and even if it doesn't take until the Sunday of the, the, the FedEx Cup, uh, that would be better than, than nothing at all to at least have some day where at some point people – stars maybe even uh, could get eliminated for not playing well. Maybe we could even vote them out of the cup, Jeff. Wouldn't that be well, a bit of your interaction, too. you know? <laughs> Become a popular... It seems to me, Huggy, the problem is, as Jeff said, it's fa- there's four fabulous field events, and we discussed all this a few weeks ago, and it's, you know... And it, the problem is the cup itself. The format just doesn't stand out, does it? I mean, if you wanted to try and take on particularly NFL, which, as Luke Elby told us, just sucks the air out of everything in the U.S., once football starts, you need to have a format that's at least different, don't you? And there's been a number thrown around, but either, as as Jeff says, some sort of elimination or some way to know that this putt means this for the FedEx Cup. You, you can't keep up with it at the moment, can you? It's just kind of all silly. <coughs> well, I think you're right. I mean, everything Jeff Jeff has just said is, is correct and hard to disagree with. But the bottom line is, I mean, this is an, an event that I just don't care. No. I don't care who wins. No. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything historically. There's no tradition to it. It's purely about money, which is fitting, I suppose, because it's a PGA Tour run event. But I'm having a hard time remembering who even won the, the first of the four so-called playoff events. Nick Watney, to my term. Nick Shane Watney, Hunt. there you go. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't even remember, which tells you <clears throat> something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a silly season event. I mean, it's got, to me, the winner of the FedEx Cup has got maybe slightly more stature than the guy who wins the Sun City Million Dollar Challenge or the Shark Shootout or the, well, what other things go on at the daft time of the year, end of November, beginning of December. But, of course, 10 million smackers more than... uh, than That's right. I mean, mean, Jeff calls it the Reset Cup. I I would simply call it the Appearance Money Cup because (laughs) that's what the prize money is in, in... in another language. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's all it is. It's that's cra- the only reason the top players are playing. It's, it's crass, isn't it, Huggy? It's dollars. quite crass that a man can win $11.4 million on a Sunday uh, in September for playing golf. $11.4 yeah, million. exactly. And not even playing the best golf no. over the course of the four that's weeks. Right. It's, like, it's like winning the lottery. Anyway, enough about that. Um, I suppose it's fitting that the FedEx Cup is played for so much money because, of course, Shaq, they've got to work for free this week the players isn't it one of the great things about the Ryder Cup that you know these guys yes they get image and whatnot out of it and like they get all the free bags and shoes but they're not getting paid don't you love that I know it was so fun to, to see uh, Tiger giving his press conference today and I just I happened to look up and there he is without a Nike logo and he's in uh, in his team uniform and uh, it is it's wonderful and uh, uh, it's one of the many things that makes it fun and it's. I, I'm impressed with the players. What uh, an effort they're giving it. I mean, it was a Tuesday. I, I, Huggy's been doing these a lot, uh, a long time, and he's seen these. But I was amazed how into it all the guys appeared from the footage I saw on Golf Channel and 
They're all doing their press conferences, and no, they're not saying anything controversial. But this has become a a, a long week, and I I, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't fault them for saying oh, this is getting a little bit ridiculous in terms of the scale of it. But uh, they've all learned now not to do that because oh, yeah. they they got they got just hammered uh, whenever right. they've done that in the past. That's exactly. That was before the '99 one. I think it was David Duval, wasn't yep. it? He was seen yep. as having his hand out for money. Good lord, <laughs> when you're playing for your country, my man. He was the same one that complained about flying all the way to Australia to, fit, to get knocked out of the match play, Jeff. And someone pointed out, yeah, but mate, you get 50 grand. It's yeah. like, you know, you could fly first class, stay in the best joint in town, you'll still walk away with a profit. Huggy, it's the great joy, isn't it, that they, they don't play for any money, and perhaps that's part of why there's uh, such great feeling. It's ironic that they probably work harder this week, the players, than any other week of the year. There's so much more to do, and the playing week is shorter, and yet they get paid nothing. It's delicious, don't you reckon? Well, you're right. I mean, this is uh, it's the worst four days in golf, followed by the best three that we're in a couple week. <laughs> nice. But, and it's always been one of the great fascinations for me uh, watching Ryder Cups over the years is that how these supposedly you know hard bitten customers like Ray Floyd and Hale Irwin and Lanny Watkins and all the rest of them can be you know play for these millions of dollars under severe pressure in major championships and all the rest of it, and they come to Ryder Cup. And all that's at stake is a, a point, this, you know, intangible point. And they turn into babbling fools down the stretch. I mean, do you think of some of the shots that have been hit that towards the end of, you know, crucial singles matches in Ryder Cups? I mean, I, my, my mind goes, like, there's the famous Hunter Mahan duff chip, obviously, from two years ago. But my mind always goes back to, to Jay Haas in 1995 when he was playing uh, Philip Walton in what turned out to be a extremely important singles match towards the end of the, the on Sunday. And the, the, this the experienced professional got up on the 18th tee at Oak Hill and hit what was basically a pop-up, wow. a 15 handicapper, you know, would kind of shot. And it's always been fascinating to me to see just what Ryder Cup pressure mm. can do to these people. It's it's amazing. Mm, well, they all, they all talk about it, don't they? they in fairness, Huggy, didn't Rory hit a pop-up a couple of weeks ago, Shaq, just in a regular tournament? So maybe it's not just mm. the pressure. Didn't he hit two of them in that round? I think he, or in that, I think he did. Yeah. But no, yeah. I mean, that, Jay Haas's was a true, it was the old <laughs> sky ball that we used to hit with clubs before the drivers became the size of watermelons, which, uh, but still it was shocking when he did it. I remember watching it and, and, and it, <laughs> it was, it was epic, especially somebody like Jay Haas, who, who's such a kind of a steady, calm mm. guy. And, and, um, and then just watching the war by the shore, the, uh, the documentary that's uh, airing here tonight and watching oh. the replay last week, you just forget that, I mean, that Calcavecchia collapse was just <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, Charlie Jones, the announcer said, all he has to do is hit it on dry land. And what does he do? He shanks it. It's just, and they argue about how bad the shot was. Was it a, was it a, a, a heel shank or was it kind of a top smother shank? And, oh, but it's, yeah, that's the beauty of the Ryder Cup. But it never got close, did it? That was the beauty of that. I mean, oh ca- gosh, it had no chance. The no. camera follows it. You never see dry land. All you see is no, the at least Monty's, there. you know, clearly might have even had a, you know, with a one little gust, it might have made it, but yeah. uh, is it just was, it was astonishing. Indeed. And of course, he's a tough guy of uh, world golf, Huggy. You wouldn't expect Kalkovecki to feel the pressure. He put, drew, uh, set, drew him to tears, that uh, that episode, if you recall. He was, what was he, five up with five to play and finished with half a point? Well, he was five up after ten, I think, and four up with four to play. 
and uh, didn't finish any yeah. of the last four holes, basically. So, um, and then he was then he went off to be physically ill on the beach. Probably. That's right. Yeah. And so that's the kind of things that the Ryder Cup can do to people. It does. I remember. I know Moddy's a favourite of yours, Huggy. Him talking about it his first Ryder Cup when he teed up the ball, and his only thought was, "Please God, let me make some sort of contact, <laughs> not to have an air swing." That's extraordinary. Well, he, he, he could have given himself a better lie. Maybe that maybe was the secret. <laughs> Oh, Huggy, that's, uh, uh, he's not going to let that go, not going to let that go, never. is he? Now, Huggy, you're on the ground there. You've already said that it's all a bit touchy-feely for your liking at this early early juncture. Perhaps we'll get to the <coughs> Liverpool kissing on Sunday. What's the general feeling with the crowds in one of those? Is there, are there many people there? What's it like this early in a Ryder Cup week? Last time I know we spoke to you, and it was just pelting down with rain, so everybody was stuck inside. But is there a good atmosphere of people getting around? Does it seem like a good social event? Are there many fans around at this early stage? Yeah, I mean, they, they, I had a good wander around today, and there was a, you know, the, not huge crowds, but there was a, I would say there was a sizable number of people there, and there, were, there was certainly a good atmosphere around the first tee, especially when the uh, the Americans were mm-hmm. were teeing off. There was the, the incredibly original chant of USA. It's always <laughs> reassuring to find out that Americans can spell USA. It is, they need to practice for that every two years, but uh, there was plenty potato, of that. Huggy. So a good atmosphere. And uh, I would imagine it will get nothing but busier as the week goes on. Indeed, of course, we're not lucky enough to be there, Shaq, but you are a sort of a digital shark. How will you be experiencing the Ryder Cup? Obviously on TV, uh, but via the computer as well. I know you tend to have a bunch of devices going. Any tips for people out there that might be listening? Best ways to keep up digitally with the Ryder Cup? I won't be able to get it on TV here, unfortunately. I don't get the the service that it'll be on. So how am I going to watch the Ryder Cup? Hmm, yeah, I don't, I don't know about uh, for you in terms of digital streaming because I, I know the Ryder Cup site will have some, uh, and ESPN here in the United States has uh, full streaming. Right, oh, uh, to your computer. But, but I would check the, uh, the Ryder Cup website. I was poking around it earlier today, and they, they don't say what's going on later in the week, but they do talk, they, they, they're showing the live interviews. So you we- might check and see if you're, if you're able to get the live interviews. Which, uh, that's a good sign. But which team do you, I look under, Jeff? Because it's split into two teams. The Ryder Cup thing. I, oh, isn't yeah. that awful? It's yeah, they've been terrible. doing that for a long time. They sp- and I never understood why they do it. It's Horrible. just it's just dumb. But mm. um, that's their thing. They like to split the two uh, websites. Yeah. Um, the I'll tell you what. Two years ago. Uh, Really, this is when I realized how amazing Twitter could be. And if you're not on Twitter, mm. uh, I highly recommend this is the time to get on Twitter. Uh, the Ryder Cup is easily the best event uh, for, for to have uh, either if you've got a smartphone or if you have an iPad or something or a laptop to be able to watch the matches and then also follow the dialogue on Twitter. It is great fun because uh, especially Friday and Saturday when there's so much going on, uh, well, and even actually Sunday, I should I should include that as well because it, Sunday television really has a hard time with so many singles matches, and mm-hmm. so Twitter allows you to kind of know what's going on with some other matches, or if there's a controversy or a rules uh, issue. Uh, really, it, it, it's just phenomenal. You'll get a lot of people who just go, you know, wow, uh, with a comment when somebody makes a long putt, and that's not very helpful, but. For all of those, uh, there's twice as many that are informative and interesting, and you'll, yeah, you know, I, in fact, I may have to do a post on my website, I think, to kind of just highlight mm. for people, some of the, the people to follow uh, who they may not think of, maybe somebody who writes for uh, uh, one of the UK papers. But I, I think Twitter is just, uh, this is the best event uh, to, to be on Twitter. comes into its own, and the fans can be a bit annoying on Twitter, Shaq, but at least there's no mashed potato guy or get-in-the-hole guy on Twitter. 
There's no sound. Exactly. <laughs> you, can, you can ignore anybody that you want to because it's fantastic. Huggy, you'll be busily tweeting away over there amongst the scribes, I would imagine. Oh, first things first amongst the scribes. Are you wearing one of those silly bibs I saw a photo of? Is that oh. what they got you in? <coughs> well, I'm, I'm not actually eligible for one of the silly oh, bibs, really? so no, I'm not. Because you're European? I think it's only for the uh, the very the terribly important journalists right. among the assembled scribes, and, and and I don't qualify sadly. Stupidest looking thing I've seen for a long time. But apart from that, uh, a lot of the writers are on Twitter these days, aren't they, Huggy? I mean, um, people you work there are. Yeah. Do they In, have policies? Uh, I would say more, more more are than aren't. I would uh, yeah. at this point, yeah. Who will you be? Fo- I'll be following you, obviously, and Shaq. Who will you be following in the Twitter sphere? Who's on the ground there? Is Dan Jenkins there? He's a fabulous tweet. Yeah, I think he's coming. Yes, and he's always worth following. Mm. Uh, in London, Daily Telegraph is very witty. Who he's, was that? Sorry? He's good. Who was that? Jamie Corrigan, Jamie the Corrigan. golf writer yeah. from the Telegraph. Yeah, he's very, he's very good. Yeah, indeed. There's uh, there's plenty of them, gents. Uh, to the competition itself, you've been to plenty of these. Huggy, how many have you been to, by the way? Ryder Cups. Yeah. Um, well, my, I went to my first Ryder Cup in 1973. Wow. I wasn't oh. a journalist at the time, but uh, I was there when we. So the the former Great Britain and Ireland team succumbed to America at Muirfield in 1973. Well, you weren't a Geno at the time. It wasn't really an event at the time. Much different. I was was still wearing shorts at that point. So you've uh, you've seen a fair bit unfold. How do they? How do you read a writer? I mean, the the players can all play. Can't we saw this at the Presidents' Cup in Melbourne. We thought we'd have a bit of advantage with the Royal Melbourne home cause. Nothing. Nothing like that happened. How do you start to see? Look, what do you look for during the week? to tell you whether one team or the other might get the ascendancy. Are there things you can look out for? Is it is it is it a tone of voice, body language? Um, what tells you when you think a team's in a good spot? And how have you been going at predicting who's going to win these things over the years? Well, especially at this level, I mean, it nearly always comes down to which team holds the most putts. I mean, I think that's the my theory behind Davis Love's theory of the hardly any rough on the golf course this week is that he thinks his players are generally speaking, better putters Mm -hmm. than the Europeans as a group of 12. And I think he's probably correct in that. So I think he wants to get the American players on the green, on the greens as quickly as possible or give them as much chance to get on the green in in the correct number of shots or or better. And then they're hopefully, for him anyway, superior putting can come into play. Four rookies on the US team, Huggy. Only one on the European team, being Nicholas Colsarts. Is there any factor in that in your experience, or does it just not matter? Because sometimes rookies surprise with how well they go in the format. Don't they? <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it can go either way. I mean, you can, we can. This is we're now indulging in the sort of speculation that is going to fill the next <laughs> two days. Of, yeah. Uh, airtime at uh, at Medina. I mean, we're we're making intelligent guesses at what may happen based on Nothing. past experience. Yeah. And then what will happen on Friday morning is that we'll all sit back and look at what actually does happen. What actually does unfold. Shaq, have you been to a Ryder Cup? I've been to more President's Cups than I've been Ryder Cups. How sad is that? Uh, well, you know, yeah, one day sad. you'll look back and tell the great-grandkids, I was there when the President's Cup wasn't even an event. <laughs> Went all the way to Australia to watch a non-event, you'll be able to tell them. And now look at it. It's almost as good as the Ryder Cup. Um, so you haven't been to a Ryder Cup? I mean, no. It makes it... Uh, makes it Difficult, I guess, to, to figure out. What's your take on sort of teams and those kinds of things? I know that we're going to be filling air that everybody else is filling as well, but uh, do you look at anything obvious at the moment? 
You know, I'm starting to get a sense that the uh, the Americans could uh, could win this fairly easily. I, I never really thought we'd see a a, a route, um, and and it depends on your definition of a route. But I I started looking at some of uh, the uh, recent play of some of the Europeans and uh, looking at how much certain guys are going to have to play for Europe. I think, uh, whereas I think the American team's a little bit deeper, uh, quite a bit deeper actually. And I, I would not be surprised if you, if you throw in the way Davis Love has set up the course, uh, the, uh, the good play, uh, the environment with Chicago and the people there. I wouldn't be surprised if we see one that isn't close. Um, and then again, our guys are really, they really are awful, uh, with, uh, um, foursomes and, and four balls. And so anything's possible. No, uh, they do tend to really struggle with that, but. And I have no idea why they they play it during practice rounds, and and uh, some of them have so much experience by now they should be better. But uh, I think the course setup is going to really be a big thing, and I, it's not just the putting. I think it just will allow them to hit driver and mm. and uh, people like uh, Phil and Keegan Bradley, um, Tiger. Some of these guys can be a little more aggressive and free swinging, and and um, as we saw with the uh, the FedEx Cup. Uh, our guys tend to like that. Look at East Lake had a couple of fairways that were 16 yards wide. Uh, it had it just a total uh, old style setup to try and put the players on the defensive because the course is so short now for the modern game. And uh, you look at the leaderboard; most of those those guys who hit it a long way uh, from America didn't play that well. Is there something to be said culturally? This is a very broad question, Shaq, but I'll get your thought on it. Is there anything to be said culturally? The criticism of the American teams, both in Presidents and Ryder Cups, has been that they're a team of individuals who struggle to come together, and that on the opposite side, certainly the Europeans, not the internationals of the Presidents Cup, but the Europeans seem to find it easier to bond. Is there anything culturally to that? I mean, the games culturally, they're very different on opposite sides of the pond, aren't they? The people who play it recreationally play it in a different way probably in a different spirit. Is there something to be said for that? The Americans are more individual focused and they find it more difficult to gel as a unit? They are. They are. And we just don't play any kind of uh, team golf. They don't travel together. You go through the list and, and it's all been pretty well covered, but I think it's all true. It's just, uh, mm. um, it's a different, even with college golf here, which really is, uh, it is a team sport, but it really isn't. You, you, you're, you try to be a teammate, but there's no team element. There's no partners play. Uh, there's nothing where you really have to rely on a partner. And so I, I, I think it is true. And uh, plus, we just tend to have some some people with uh, bigger egos. Um, maybe it's just the way our country is set up. Travels a little bit uh, easier, and and um, cultures a little bit different than Europe, where. Um, there is just a sense that, that uh, having dinner together is not the uh, end of the world and you're not going to be giving something to uh, one of your opponents by actually acknowledging them. And, and uh, we just have a different mindset with sport, where especially an individual sport like golf. And uh, kind of a greed is good thing. And, and I think that is why we have trouble in these matches. Mm. Interesting stuff. Huggy, have you got a take on that? Do you reckon there's any merit in any of that, or is it just that, as you say, it all comes down to putting on the week? You've got 12 guys against 12 guys. They can all play. Somebody's got to win it. It'll be one side or the other. Well, well, no, I agree with Jeff. I mean, much as I hate to do that at any time, but um, there's just so much evidence, to, to as, as Jeff pointed out. I mean, the, to point to the fact that the Europeans are just better in a team environment than are the Americans. And, and Tiger 
Woods is the extreme example of that. I mean, if you look at his record in the Ryder Cup, his singles record is really pretty good. I think he's four, he's won four of and half one of six singles matches. Mm-hmm. His record in four ball play is close to 50% in terms of wins and losses. And then when you come to foursomes, his, his record is really very poor. So the more he has to interact and combine with a partner, the worse his record is. And I think that kind of typifies, albeit an extreme example, I think that kind of typifies the, the wider American problem in the Ryder Cup. I'm going to disagree with you, Huggy, much as I hate to do that generally, I like to agree with you. To me, Shaq, the, the Tiger record, part of that is if you put somebody with Tiger to play foursomes, they are out of their comfort zone more so than the other way around. And mm. perhaps that's been because you're playing as a team. Maybe Tiger's played quite well in some of those foursomes matches. It's his partners that's kind of lost them for him. Is there any merit to that, do you reckon? Oh, absolutely. I, I've been fascinated by uh, – there's there's been several little jabs about his play at the President's Cup last year. And I went around with the uh, with him when he was on several of his matches, but especially the Dustin Johnson match. And Dustin Johnson was a basket case. He was just his his body language, everything. He was totally out of whack. He he clearly did not look comfortable. The the whole thing was just awkward, and it was sort of embarrassing to watch. They just had no camaraderie, and I I do think there's some truth to that. Now that said, uh, and Tiger made some fascinating comments today, and I'd be curious what Huggy has to say, but he. He actually, and I'm just floored. I have to. I had to pull it up again to look at it. But he he's actually shouldering some of the blame for the way the U.S. has played the last few years, and or the last few Ryder Cups. And uh, I've never seen him do such a thing. And and I'm wondering if that combined with this whole new kinder, gentler Tiger that just loves Rory, and I'm wondering if this will actually maybe help them this week. What do you reckon, Huggy? Is he growing up, Tiger? Has he got some wisdom? Is he kind of a nicer <clears throat> well, guy? What's going on there? I think Tiger's always been very good at, at feigning the emotions that he's expected <laughs> to have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Fabulous. Well, in fairness, though, Huggy, if Tiger Woods was to assume the role as a leader, which, you know, was kind of expe- a bit like Mackerel expected of him at an, an age where it's just not feasible, but now he could be an elder statesman to these guys, couldn't he? Is, is there a possibility that Tiger has a leader in him that we haven't seen yet in a team event? Oof, well, that would that would be a huge departure from uh, from previous Ryder Cups. And, and an interesting point about Tiger and, and who he'll play with this week has been a big assumption, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, Everyone seems to think that he'll partner Steve Stricker, who was one of the captain's picks, and presumably, specifically, almost to play with Tiger. But if you look at Tiger and Stricker together, their last Ryder Cup match together, they lost six and five, mm-hmm. and their last President's Cup match together, they lost seven and six. So why we think that they should be playing together this week is a bit of a mystery, if you think about it that way. Mm. Mm. Although, you know, Stricker's probably done better with Tiger. What do you reckon, Jack? Is Tiger possibly in a position to become a leader? The one thing we know that won't happen is that he won't be uh, playing with Mickelson in any of the, the matches. We, we certainly know that because that experiment yeah. failed spectacularly. But do you reckon he's got a leader in him somewhere, Tiger? Is this what we're seeing? Could he be genuinely standing up and, and being a bit of a figurehead for the team? Maybe, or I think if he just is uh, just a little bit more approachable and a little bit more at ease, that alone will be huge. I, I'm sure that there, 
um, that he that he in the past he he used that to his advantage that that mystique that mm. uh, that aura and uh, I'm sure in a, in a team setting that no matter how hard anybody tried it just wouldn't work and obviously people like Jim Furyk and Stricker really weren't bothered by it and that's why they made decent partners for him but I don't think he has to be a leader but if he could just be somebody in the room that's just one of twelve and not uh, maybe making people uncomfortable. That could be uh, that could be huge for the U.S. Do do they have a sort of an on-field leader? The U- U.S. team is sort of looking not really seeing much. I mean, you look to Lee Westwood. I think, uh-huh. and, and Monty's pointed out Lee Westwood sort of fills that role for the Europeans. Amongst the players, you don't really have a leader, do you, Shaq, on the U.S. side that I can sort of think of? No, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it, I can't think of uh, no. I mean, Stricker's probably the one that uh, everybody likes the most. But does he talk? Does uh, he say anything? You, you need to talk oh, to leave, no, don't he'll you? He'll probably start crying as soon as he starts talking. Just <laughs> kind of the beauty of it uh, of him, and it's, it's I think it's it's what makes him uh, attractive in a certain kind of way as a as a guy to root for. But no, I, I don't think Furyk is. Um, I don't sense that he's somebody who's uh, particularly well liked. Phil, uh, there's always the, the the usual stuff there, so. You just no, there really isn't anybody there that, that leaps out as sort of uh, as a as a team leader. Uh, indeed, Huggy. One of the great things about every Ryder Cup is seeing a player uh, come to the fore. You see the the rookies play and those who really get into it and enjoy it. I, I'm not sure about you, but I for one, I am absolutely cannot wait to see Nicholas Colsarts and how he goes. What's your take on him? Big hitting, it smashes it all over the place. It really goes <coughs> it. a long ball. Can be a bit inconsistent, but he just. He looked so excited to be a part of the team, and I'm just really keen to see how he goes. What do you reckon? He's the sort of guy that, you know, you don't have to be the perfect golfer to win match play, do you? Well, he's always been great fun to watch. I mean, he's he's been fun to watch for a long time, actually, far longer than he's been a, a very good player. I think he's... The early part of his career was more of his attitude and his off-course behaviour rather than what was going on yeah, on the course. I mean, I, actually, um, I caddied a long time ago now in the Heineken Classic at Royal Melbourne for a young fellow called Clayton. <laughs> and in the same group was uh, a young lad called Colsarts, and we were enormously impressed with him. That was maybe eight, nine years ago now. He was a magnificent striker of the ball. He had no real idea how to play golf, but he could certainly hit the ball. And he's obviously added that, you know, as part of his repertoire since. But you could see, even back then, how the, the, the enormous potential that he had, simply because he hit the ball so well and so far. And if you could ever learn how to actually play and how to score, <laughs> be that you're obviously going to play in things like the Ryder Cup. Mm. I mean, it was just a question of whether he, at what point, if he ever did, he got his head in gear. Yeah, Is he one you're looking forward to, or is there somebody else you look to and you, you, you're keen to see how they go in the Ryder Cup? He just grabs me. There's, there's something fun about him, as you say. I think he's appealing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, it's, it's you know, everyone loves to see long drives. I mean, long drive are the, are the, they're the sexiest guys in golf. I mean, that's why John Daly even now gets big crowds to watch him. Hmm. So, I mean, Colsats, I think his Colsats will certainly play in the four balls. Whether he can be trusted to play <laughs> in the foursomes is a different matter, but... Um, I think we can certainly guarantee that he'll play at least once a day, three matches and possibly four. Yeah. He might play if, he, if things are going well for him. If he's playing particularly well, obviously things can change as the match matches go on. I could see him playing a minimum of three and possibly four, four times uh, during the week. Yeah, it would be good to see him. Blue Weekly, Shaq, back in uh, 08 at Valhalla, he was sort of the guy that emerged as one who'd taken to the format. I didn't remember, never forget that foolishness of... 
climbing on the golf club, wasn't it? And pretending he was a jockey riding a horse down the the first furrow on the last day. But who who might this one? Hurt? Is there anybody you're particularly keen to see in this Ryder Cup environment? Four rookies on the U.S. team, as we said. So, uh, I think Keegan Bradley is uh, the key, and I he he uh, he either could be phenomenal. Um, or he could just be so revved up and trying so hard that he's just, uh, just kind of loses it out there. I think he's going to be an either or proposition. And, um, so I, 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 I'm leaning towards, I think he'll do great. I think he'll play great. I think he'll be intense and he'll annoy, uh, whoever he's playing against because he hits the ball a mile. Um, and, and he's just so locked in and, and, and so into it. And, uh, and we know that that, especially the way they're all, patting each other on the back and doing all this gentleman's game uh, nonsense this week. Uh, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that could kind of annoy somebody he's playing with and, and uh, because he really does get in his own little world. And unfortunately, it means he plays slowly. But um, And Webb Simpson's another one I think could go either way. He could just be, he could just be lights out and phenomenal or he could be uh, hitting, hitting that shank that he uh, <laughs> seems to pull out now and then and, and just be awful. I, I, I don't know what to, to make of him either. I, 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 like I said, I think he could just be one extreme or the other. Indeed. Speaking of annoying Huggy, uh, Sergio's back uh, this time, missed out on the, the last Ryder Cup. Or will he be an impact player? He's tended to shine at the Ryder Cup, hasn't he? But he don't, we haven't seen <coughs> the exuberance from him in recent years that we did before those performances. Yeah, I think we'll see plenty of that this week from him. I think uh, he um, was involved the last time as an assistant mm-hmm. captain, and I think he, he really missed it from more than one player uh, over the last couple of days has commented on just how you know much you could see Sergio thinking to himself, I, I should be out there playing. Now, this is ridiculous. And I'm someone of my talents watching these choppers playing, and I should be <laughs> part of this team. I mean, you know, I, and who can blame him? I mean, no, is there a better ball striker, you know, week to week in the in the world than, than Sergio Garcia? Probably not. No. In fact, they, they, that kind of reminds me of a, the, the one criticism I would have of this European team and I, I wrote it in a we column yesterday is that if the, this European team to me if, if it was a racehorse they would be classed as one paced I mean there's if you look at them there's about certainly more than half and maybe as many as eight or nine of the twelve the strength of their game is the long game mm. it's not to say that they're bad chippers putters pitchers all the rest of it that that's that wouldn't be true but it's not the strength. There's only three guys I can think of on the team who, where putting is the absolute best part of the game. That's Luke Donald, Ian Poulter, and Graham McDowell. Mm. The rest of them, the long game is the strength. And I think Davis Love has probably latched onto that in some way as well. Again, we, what we touched on earlier, why there's no rough, I think he wants to get guys on the greens. And it, that's where he sees that America have got an advantage, at least on paper. Yeah, indeed. And, uh uh, yeah, and I think I hadn't thought about it quite that way, Huggy, but once again, your analysis has made me think, and I can't help but agree with you, so I apologise for disagreeing earlier, but uh, I'm back uh, in the fold feel, now. Feel free, lots of people do, believe me. <laughs> I'm sure you've been called worse by better at yeah. some point, indeed. Uh, gentlemen, fabulous to talk to you. We, uh, there's always there's heaps more. I won't ask either of you who you think is going to win, because as Huggy pointed out earlier, that's just a foolish and silly waste of time. Let's just hope that these four days, that uh, or these next couple of days, aren't too painful, and we get to the golf soon enough so we can actually watch what's un- what unfolds. We'll leave it there for today. Jeff Shackelford, a thank you to you for taking part, my friend. All right, thank you, Rod. And, of course, to Huggy there in Chicago. Have a, have a great week, Huggy. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, but uh, quite jealous of you being right there in the thick of it all.
Thank you. Friday can't come soon enough. No, Friday can't come <laughs> soon enough. And that wraps it up for today here on Talk and Golf slash State of the Game. Thanks for tuning in. Do hope that you've enjoyed it. As always, we'll be back at the same time again next week to do it all again. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to your company then also.